we're starting a new sermon series here today entitled Home Improvement. And uh, this is a sermon series that's going to take us all the way up in and to the, to the summer, maybe through the summer. But in this sermon series of Home Improvement, we, we need to see the truths of God and how God and His wisdom provides us insight and ways to build our homes and to build our lives and, and the nitty-gritty of our daily lives. In conflict, he's got wisdom and truth to lead us. And how do we navigate conflict? Dating relationships, marriage, finances, sex, hospitality, managing our... God's wisdom, God's word speaks to everything and every aspect of our lives. And we're going to be walking through and seeing how this, these truths speak to us today as we walk through this sermon series entitled Home Improvement. And today we're going to be establishing, like any, any, any good build, you've got to lay a foundation. And the, the, the quality of the foundation will determine over the long haul the security of your home, the stability of your home. Today's text is going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. So if you want to turn there, follow along, you can go back a slide. While you're turning there, uh, just, just kind of some opening thoughts here to frame things. Any of you goal setters in the house? Some, some of you are, are, wow, our goal setters were like, oh, I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed. Come on, get those hands in the air. You're not ashamed. Let's go. We got some goal setters in the house. Some of you are like, I am setting the goal of having no goals. Like, I am a non-goal setter person, people. We got all of those of you out there. Yep, yep, you're not ashamed. My wife is like, holla, holla. These are a few goals, and, and, and let's be honest, some of us like actually write our goals down, and we like, measure them, and we follow them for six weeks, and then we let them go because we, we failed, and they fell apart. Um, some of us, uh, uh, our goals are implicit. They're, they're in our values. We have goals. We have desires, uh, uh, but, but we just like, you know, we, we want some extra grace and freedom to not be held accountable, right? We kind of like to fly by the seat of our pants, if you will, but here's a few New Year's goals that no one has, right? All right? A few New Year's goals that, that nobody has. None of our, our high schoolers or young adults, none of you have the goal that coming into this year, I want to have some really unhealthy dating relationships that mess up my life. Anybody? No? I want to live in the moment and set a trajectory for an empty life. Yes? No? Right. Of course not. Or going into adulthood this year, uh, 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 having the goal of, I want to be poor, have bad credit, lonely, and leave a trail of broken relationships behind me. No? Or entering marriage thinking, I really want, I really want to fight a lot this year and be dissatisfied. I want, or I'm hoping, this year is my year to marry Mr. or Mrs. Wrong. Right? No? Nobody? No? Okay, interesting. Or parents, I really hope my kids will be spoiled and rebellious terrors. <laughs> or I really hope to pass on to my children all my family dysfunction and more. I want to be generous, right? No? Or coming into the golden years of life, maybe this is your goal. I hope to leave a legacy that people can be a lesson for others of what not to do. 
These goals are humorous because they're absurd, right? Like, nobody, nobody wants this. Like, we would never set out to have these kinds of goals, right? No one sets out to fail. But as the old adage goes, if we fail to plan, we what? We plan to fail. We can't merely engage with life flying by the seat of our pants and just hoping good things happen, that God's glorified and, and, and that we experience his blessings. No one sets out to fail, but if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. If we are going to build healthy homes in a broken world, we must be intentional in building Upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. If we are going to build healthy homes in this broken world. We must be intentional. To build our foundation. On Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you haven't done so turn with me. To Matthew. Matthew. Chapter 7. I'm going to read from the CSB translation on the screen. We have Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you if you want to follow along and don't have a Bible. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the Winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed collapsed with a great crash. Won't you join with me in prayer? Holy Spirit, we come to you come to you in need of your help with our hearts. We need we need your help, Lord Jesus, as your word has just said, not that we w- would hear from an intellectual standpoint, to understand what you're saying. But Jesus, there's something profoundly different you're saying, Lord Jesus, that, 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 that the hearing is not enough, but it is a doing. It is, a, is an acting. It is a trusting you and not ourselves. And, and that is a heart work we need done today. Lord, as we're coming to to hear your truth and and to hear from you and respond to you, and and we're at different places. Some of us are hungry. Some of us have questions. Some of us are are hurting Jesus. May, may May we come, Lord God, and encounter that you can be trusted and that we need to distrust ourselves. But you are good. You are God, Jesus. And you are good. And therefore we can trust you. Do the work in our hearts, Jesus. In your name, amen.
as we prepare to respond to Jesus' words there, of are we building a house on the rock, of obeying, hearing and obeying his teaching, or are we building on the sand, of listening, but doing our own thing? I was convicted to kind of lay out the, the status of our families in American society today. Hold on here, buckle up, because I've got a variety of statistics. You can go back a slide there. A variety of statistics here that I want to walk us through here, just in terms of helping us come to grips with where are we as families? How are we doing it, doing it our way? Right. If you've had a home, or even in your own apartment, or maybe you got your car, you have your do-it-yourself projects, right? Well, when it comes to life and spirituality, you can do it your way, DIY, do it your way, or it can be a DIG. You can dig it, do it God's way. I just made that up right now, so I'm feeling pretty <laughs> feeling pretty special right now. Hold on here. All right, you ready? There has been a breakdown of what we call the nuclear family. Nuclear, not in a negative sense, as in some bomb's going to get dropped, but uh, in, in terms of a whole family with mother and father and kids together in the home. There's been a breakdown where that is no longer an ideal to aspire to, even in a broken world. It's not an ideal. And it's not common, in fact. Consider these statistics here. On the, on the left side here, I'm going to just walk through things a little bit here. 1970 to 2021. 67% of homes in 1970 in the United States here were married with kids. What we, what we would call that nuclear family. The, the, a holistic family of, of sorts here. But brokenness has... has, has, has occurred through generations and now today only 37 percent of homes have a mother and father married together in a covenant and committed relationship with kids this this is a study of families uh, 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 in age of parents in age of 25 to 49 this is kind of your 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 the central age group of of families there over the years since 1970, their cohabitation of couples living together wasn't a thing. We have a rise. 12% of couples now, whether they have kids or with kids, are living together without being married. Single parenting, 6% of families, of homes, are single parents. Part of the brokenness. This is, this is a horrible thing that men, is part of men taking advantage of women and not being responsible and rising up and caring for the ladies in their life and the children that they foster. 80% of single parent homes are single moms. 23% of kids in the United States are raised in single homes. More than any other nation in the world. 23% of our children. This is a problem with men. Not rising up. Not taking responsibility 
and showing respect to care for the ladies and their children. In addition, marriage is being delayed. The average age for marriage for men is 30 years old. 30 years ago or so, it was, it, was, uh, it was in the early 20s. For ladies, it's 28. We have delayed marriage, delayed adolescence even as a phenomenon. We have more people living with their parents. And more men in their basement playing video games than living a productive life and investing in others and their communities. It doesn't stop here. We see the increase of, of cohabitation, and this has become increasingly normative. And there's a concern about this because people don't realize that intuitively they think if we live together, this will help get us a better start to our life together, our future together. But it actually causes more problems. The statistics are clear and firm that couples that live together before getting married have higher rates of divorce. They do, their marriages do not last as long. Our couples need to know this. You all need to know this. Before we make these steps, it seems that the world says it's normative, it's good, it's okay. And it seems convenient in the moment. But we're setting up our marriages to fail before they even start. In terms of our home lives, families that eat together on a regular basis have lower rates of alcohol and substance abuse, lower violence in the home, lower experiences of depression and suicide in the teens in their homes. They have higher self-esteem, higher school success, but only 30% of families eat together. Only 30% of families have regular times where they're sitting down because we feel victims to our schedules. We have sports or activities, our hobbies as our priorities. And we think it's okay in the moment, but we don't see the foundation that we're laying for our kids and we are setting up for them a road paved to hell both in this life and the next. 70% of our youth, according to Lifeway, 70% of our youth it will stop attending and leave the church when they, go, when they graduate from high school. 70%. Only half of that number, 35, will come back in the next 10 years. of young adults say that their families went to church weekly. 30% of youth today. Whereas 52% of our seniors would say that their families went to church on a regular weekly basis. 2015 study found that young adults today, the majority of young adults, 18 to 34, consistently held unbiblical Views, unbiblical conclusions about life, God, themselves. This is a problem in our homes, friends. As of 2021, 8th graders and 10th graders now spend 
according to a national study, eighth graders and 10th graders spend on average three and a half hours a day on social media. That's not any other thing on their phone. That's just social media. Three and a half hours a day on social media alone. We have, and we now know that social media is correlated with higher rates of anxiety and depression of our children, our youth, our college students, and young adults. Among our adults, 35 to 44 experienced the highest rate of mental health uh, uh, diagnoses. 45% reported mental illness in 2023 compared to 31% in 2019. That's just four years difference. 45% increase from 31%. And the highest rate still is among our 18 to 34-year-old group, which is 50% report mental illness. We have an epidemic that's happening. Society in America is not getting better doing it our way. Children's behavior, 84% of public schools reported that <clears throat> students have a, have a been, have been negatively impacted in their socio-emotional development and behavior development. What, what this means is 84% of public schools are saying they have behavior problems and kids have mental health issues. I'm not sure what's up with the rest of the 16% and where they're at, but it seems like it's 100% of schools are experiencing increased mental health and behavioral problems among our kids. In terms of our finances... 40% of Americans rely on credit cards to cover their basic monthly needs. 40% of Americans rely on credit cards to cover their basic monthly needs. 28% of cardholders rely on them more than normal. One in four have maxed out their credit card in the last 90 days. Just over half of Americans said they have difficulty paying their bills in the past three months. Now get this. 53% of Americans were never taught how to manage their money 50 this is the bigger 53 percent of americans were never taught how to manage their money how are we doing kind of feeling depressed ourselves right we're feeling down here's the deal we got to be honest about the conditions of things i i i i'm not up here to bring a, 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 some kind of spanking, if you will, to bring a beat down and, and, and to harm. But if we're going to get real and make decisions to change the trajectory of our children, let our own, let alone our own lives, we got to be honest about where things are going, where things are. And they ha didn't just get there; they've been trending this way. How does this happen? Can we trust ourselves? We want to do it our way. This has been the very problem from the beginning. As God created us in the, for relationship with him, to trust him, that, 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 that his way is good. But no, we've always wanted our way. I want to be king of my own life. I want... Pleasure and benefits and ease and comfort. I want my way now. 
life ain't Burger King. As much as we want it to be. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? There's hope. The great thing is it doesn't have to stay this way. These stats, these facts, don't tell the whole story. Jesus does. He tells the rest of your story. The question is, are you going to be, do you want to be part of the statistics? Or do we want to let Jesus write the story of redemption and hope? Because that's what these words are from God's word today. As Jesus pointed out in chapter 7 there, this is what, what, what he's doing here. He's speaking these words at the end of what's considered the greatest message of all time called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is laying out and, and, and bringing it all to conclusion. He's summarizing it, bringing it down. Here's the deal. I've just talked to you about marriage and sex and finances and mental health and relationships. I've taught you all these things. Now, here's the deal. It's not just a good idea. You were made for this. Because you were made for a relationship with me. You can't just listen and be inspired and have your hearts warmed like a nice Hallmark video if we don't act on his words. Then we will not experience his covering, his blessing, his goodness. Let's, let, let, let's break this down here. Not everyone who says to me, excuse me, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus is talking about the wise man here. The wise man throughout God's word, this is a common theme throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. It is the, it is the kind of person who understands where truth comes from, where the, where the insights are for right living, where's the source, and then acts on it. A wise person has the combination of understanding what's true and right and acts on it. We've got a lot of people who are really, really intellectually smart. They understand, but they're not wise. Many of us can be that way. In this life, in fact, with our smartphone technology, we have access to more information now than ever, than anybody at any time. We have a global community. We are smarter than ever. In fact, we don't even have to think. We can just Google. And yet we are less wise because we don't have to think and act. We're less critical in our thinking. The wise person sees and understands Jesus isn't just a guru. He isn't just a mental health counselor to help you feel better. He's not a martyr who set a good example. The wise person recognizes Jesus is God. Their creator. Your creator, my creator, the wise person recognizes who Jesus is, the source here. And what that means, then, building on the rock is building on the rock of Jesus' 
person, not just his teaching. He is God. He's the only source worthy of us trusting and following and obeying. We need him to lead us. Jesus has view in view here, not just eternal salvation at the end of our life, after death in the next. He's talking about in this life now. He provides hope. When the storms come, an abundant life. Because we're going to face storms. See, he talks about here when the storms come. Jesus, trusting him, relying on him, building your foundation upon him, doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. Doesn't mean you're not going to have tragedy. Doesn't mean that evil in this world is going to somehow disappear. That doesn't happen until Jesus comes back again. We're all going to be facing storms of this life, the pressures of, of the cultural values that continue to say, you be God, there is no other God but you. You decide what's right and wrong. You be you. You do you. The temptations that we face from within all throughout life because we are broken. We have sin in us and we need to be changed And there's evil in this world. You're going to face death. Death of loved ones. Losses. Infertility. Job loss. Financial troubles. Instable countries, nations, economies. We're going to see phenomenons like what's playing out in Israel and Gaza. And we pray for peace and justice there. But that kind of injustice, it's happening all around us. It, we can't escape it because this is a broken world. We can't expect something different. And, and many of our, our, our disappointments and our distrust in God come from expecting heaven in this life. This is a broken, sinful world because we brought it on us. We can't expect heaven from this life. But we can expect hope from him. So trusting, Jesus is saying, trust me that I'm good And I'm God, I know what's best. Earlier in the sermon, he says this in Matthew 6. Don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentiles? That means the other nations who follow or worship other gods they create or make up themselves. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Trying to find hope in the things of this life, our material possessions, relationships, all these things. In the here and now, your father, your heavenly father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus, you're going to find, is countercultural, counterintuitive. His way is not the way of the world. We think, I, I, in order to get financially secure, I need to, I need to seek mine. I, I, need to, I, I, I need to pursue what's good for me. In order to get pleasures in this life and joys in this life, I need, I need to think of me first. I need to take care of myself first. And Jesus is saying, trust me. God the Father knows what you do. Trust me in my way. It's not going to always seem Like it's going to work out. In fact, oftentimes when you follow Jesus, it's costly up front. But the fruit comes in the end. 
Jesus is saying, God the Father will take care of you if you let him. But as long as you keep taking control for yourself and you don't trust him, you don't act on his truth, you don't act on his faithfulness to you, his goodness to you, you will never know his goodness. You will never know his power if you trust yourself. There are many of us who show up here We're cultural Christians. We love Jesus. We love the idea of what he says and does. He he warms our hearts. We know at some level we might articulate good friend. He's our personal guru. It's what we really operate. It's his, his insights and teaching. It's optional, right? That's really kind of how a lot of us operate. And Jesus is cutting right to the heart of this. It's like... You can read a, 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 a diet book on how to lose weight, but does reading that book actually do anything? No. I've gotten a little extra curvy over the Christmas holiday last year. I've got a little extra curvy. I've weighed the most I've ever weighed in my entire life. And I know some of you are like, wait, you're, you're a rail. Well, it's all you know subjective, right? Good intentions aren't going to get me in shape or in the shape I want to be in. I'm in a good shape. I mean, I've got the dad bod I'm rocking. <laughs> we got YouTubes. We got the YouTubes. I can watch as many videos as I want, but watching a video isn't going to do it for me. I mean, the guy in the video looks really good, though. <laughs> Jesus is saying, trust me. Just, just, just like that first time you drove out on the frozen lake. I don't know about you, but guys, when I moved to Minnesota and the first time Jane and I, we drove, it was like, is this, is this going to hold us? I mean, there was thousands of cars already on the lake, but it's like, I don't know if this can, can hold me. We drive out there. You don't know Jesus can hold you unless you take the step and put his truth into action. He's, in fact, he is not actually your Lord and Savior until you do. Jesus is saying, I'm the rock. You can build your life on me. You need to come under my leadership. You need to come under me as your God in order to be protected by me in this life. Efficacious. Only storms are going to come, friends. And our temptation is to focus on immediate gratification. Only because in America, we are so, we are so prosperous that we have the luxury of having so much immediate gratification. I want to watch something, it's right there. I want to eat something, it's right there. I want, I, 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 I want clothes, it's right there. Like everything we have is immediately accessible to us. Where in many third world countries, these are not promises. In fact, even today is not guaranteed. We often want to focus on the results. And Jesus is saying, focus on faithfulness. The Lord will produce the fruit in his time. Focus on faithfulness. Trust me build your home on me 
Don't focus on the outcomes. You see, Jesus, Jesus was faithful and he went through the cross. This life, if we're going to experience life, it's not by grabbing it for ourselves, it's by losing our lives, like Jesus, to be made alive. But there's the other side, and there's the temptation, and this is reality. And these are where the statistics that I mentioned build itself on. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Over in Hemsby, Norfolk, in England, there's this beautiful coastline. The beach. Who doesn't at some time think about, like, I want to go stay at the beach. Or maybe have a beachfront property. Like, that just seems exotic and warm right now. I mean, who doesn't want to be in a warm place right now, right? You know? This coastline is beautiful. People have desired to build there. They build homes there. In fact, they've built multiple homes there because they built on sand. And the ocean eroded that sand and it destroyed their home. And they built there again. And the ocean once again eroded the sand and destroyed their homes. Ten years later. That is the fool that Jesus is describing. In fact, take a look just at this footage. You can go ahead and go to the next slide there. Thank you. Hearing my words and not acting on them is like building your house on sand. Just take a, a, a moment to let this truth sink in. Jesus knows our tendency to want to be in control. To minimize him 
and the significance of who he is and what, and what he has for us in, in his teaching, his guidance for us. And he knows that at best, we will pick and choose. We want some things as long as they benefit us when, in our way, in our time. And we don't want other things. We want to be in control. One of our family restaurants that we love and enjoy is New City Buffet in town. Love going to the Chinese buffet. And we love going there. And after we sit down and pray, then we like divide and conquer. Right? And everybody goes their own way. And there's like so many things. What do we love about the buffet? We love the options, right? We love all the different choices. And, and we rendezvous back at the table. And everybody's got different stuff based on what they like. And that's how we approach Jesus. That's how we approach life. We want options, right? We like to go to the Jesus buffet. And, and I want some of this truth, and, and I want some of that, but I... Jesus is not optional. He's not a buffet. And we will continue to experience the problems in our lives and in generations as we treat him like that. The erosion that happened in Hemsby... It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't immediate. And that's the seductive thing, especially that Satan has for us, is that, is that the erosion that's happening by us having our way and picking and choosing and, and, and what we want from Jesus and is that it's a slow fade, as Jeremy Camp says in his song. It's a slow fade. It's the erosion over time of our homes, of our lives. And all of a sudden, we're hanging on a cliff and then things are falling apart. How did we get here? By choosing my way over his way. Jesus is optional. But we feel like we're, 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 we're a bit of a victim to the, our schedules and, and, and to our kids' activities and, and what's happening in this life and this world. And, and we are busier than ever and yet not accomplishing thing of any, many things of significance in the lives of our children or our home. What good is it for their academic achievement and their athletic activity if we've merely paved the stones on their pathway to hell with those things. We're not victims of our schedule. We're not victims of giving our kids smartphones. These are choices that we have and we make. There are things that God gives us insights into his word and speaks to all these areas of our lives. He wants you to have a whole and healthy. Will we let go? Of these things that the, that, that the Bible calls idols. Of the other things of this culture that we worship. And we move Jesus around for. You know you worship something when you sacrifice other things for it. When you spend your money and your time on it. If you and I have the tendency to move, thing, to move Jesus around to fit all the other things in. That's the that's indicator that something else is your God. 
But if you're moving other things around in order for, for you to feed your soul and feed your family their soul, then that's indicator that you are committed to your king, to your God, the one who made you. We have to keep in mind this as we as, as I'm kind of wrapping this up here. Jesus has blessings for you and I in our homes, and we can change the trajectory, not only of our homes now, but of our kids' futures as well. Whether we're a teenager, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're a grandparent. The Lord is redemptive in his kindness and grace and mercy. He wants to meet you right now, wherever you are. And he wants to bring his power, his redemption, to bring his blessings into your life. But it's not about the blessings. That's the interesting thing. It's about a relationship with him. The danger we can get is, in, in, in the, as I walk through this sermon series, and, and God's wisdom is good and it will change the, 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 your life immediately in your marriage and your relationships and finances. But it's ultimately not about those blessings. It's about him. And in fact, you will not get the most out of this time and you will not, you will always be frustrated at some level in some degree. And you'll continue to go back to your way and, and creating more problems than good. When you're just pursuing blessings, Jesus says, come to me like in a marriage the spouse just caring and loving and serving only to get security only for financial benefits only for sex only for companionship in marriage do you do you really want to just be a tool do you want to be used in a friendship Do, do you merely just want to be satisfied with being a person's counselor and being their financial support and just being there for them to prop themselves up and be affirmed, but they just want the stuff from you. They don't care about you. That's not a relationship. And it's not that Jesus needs your relationship. It's that you and I need a relationship with him. We were made for that. So as we, as we step into this series, as we respond to Jesus, his invitation is come to me as your God. Surrender to me. Because in me, you're going to find your, your identity. You're going to find your self-worth. You're going to find success in this life. All things, but it's in relationship with me, not in seeking the things. Earlier he said, seek first the kingdom and everything else will come. But seek first me. I'm good. I'm your God. Today, as we close the service, we're going to be celebrating communion. And communion is such a special time for us to respond to a message like this, to repent of where we have related to God in such a way that, Lord, I... You, you, can, you can come in when I want you to be. Uh, let me still be in control. Rather than, Lord, your way, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. We need to repent. Communion is a beautiful opportunity for us to repent and for God to redeem and restore. 
Because at communion, we're reminded it's his grace. Friends, you don't have to try to clean yourself up to be good enough for God to to want to work in you and, and to save you and to change your eternity. It's his grace. He's done it for you. And in fact, this life following Jesus, trusting him and obeying, the reality is you and I can't do it. We need him to live his life in us. In coming to the table, in coming to repentance, says, Jesus, live through me. I need your power in me. Because what's in us is that tendency towards self-centeredness, towards pride. I need you to break that power, Jesus. I need your spirit in me. Make me alive in you. Change me, Jesus. There's a heavier word that we need to hear from Jesus here. And this is right before Jesus' teaching that we went through today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. This This is heavy stuff, but we need to hear this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name or drive out demons in your name or do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. It's from this passage that Jesus goes in and says, If you hear my word and obey, you are like a person the wise person who builds their house on the rock. The gravity of this is significant for us to let sink in our way. We need to be broken up because it only leads us to hell eternally. And it only builds a life of hell immediately on this earth. As we're going to step forward into communion here, I want to encourage you as we receive Christ's body broken for us to take that time to repent, to let the Spirit bring to mind what are ways, Jesus, that I'm saying my way? What are ways, Jesus, that I'm saying it's optional? I want to surrender that. How do I, Lord, show me, search my heart, show me how I need to build myself on you. And to trust you. And when the cup comes around. When when we receive the cup. We want to receive God's mercy for you. Jesus paid your, your penalty. Jesus embraces you with your love. Even on the cross he said. Father forgive them. They know not what they do. Let his love that you don't deserve, let it fill our hearts. Just as we, we, we drink from that, remind yourself, you're forgiven through Jesus. Receive his power. Pray to the Lord for his power, for himself to live in you and to lead you in these areas where you struggle with trust. Pray, Lord, help me not just want good things from me. Lord Jesus, help me want you.